Very Father, thank you for Adam. Thank you for your, your vessel, for your child. We pray, that God, that you use him for your glory. You use him to just uh, turn our eyes to you, Father. More and more we pray in your holy name. Amen. 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 Kind of a bit of a welcome back, isn't it? When we get to this point in September, early September, we said this a little bit uh, uh, last week. Um, it's sort of like the beginning of something new, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Is that just me or is that? No, yeah. it's, it's like the beginning of January, beginning of September. It's got that kind of, okay, here we go, new term, next stop, Christmas. Yeah. Sorry to mention Christmas, but there you go, that's what it is. And that, that's kind of what I was preparing and um, planning to speak on. I wanted to try and give you something that would sort of feed you and encourage you and give you something to chew on over the next two to three months. Obviously, we've had quite an event over the last couple of days. And uh, I don't know how you've been with the death of Elizabeth II. I, I have at times been in bits. Mm. I'm really shocked at how I have responded. Mm. Uh, I, I have wept. I, I thought, I'm going to get take my mind off that. I'm going to watch the cricket highlights. I like the cricket. Watch that. They sang, God save the king. I was off again. I just thought, oh, this is really difficult. And actually just listening to some of the... The, the folks talk, some of the politicians talk. I, I just particularly was affected by what Boris Johnson said. He felt, felt like we've lost something that's been a rock in our lives. He said, he even said this at one point. He said, it, because she's always been there for us, it feels like we've, we've lost something that's kind of eternal. That's the word he used. It felt like she was going to be eternal. Obviously, she wasn't going to be, but we've lost something. And I don't know how you, you are feeling. I, I know millions of people throughout the country have been deeply, deeply affected by what's happened. And there is a sense of, whoa, what, what does this mean? I was talking with my son, Harry, about it. And he said, does this change what it means to be British? He said. Wow. Wow. Thought, wow. wow that's how much it's impacted him. Gosh, does this, does this, because that's, she modelled something and now she's gone and what's, what does that mean? And we're all up in the air a bit. What, oh, what does the future look like without her? So I'm just thinking, Lord, I just want to be able to speak this morning on something that will, I hope, help you if you are also struggling with, with what's happened. Uh, but also just, as I say, to try and give you something that will kind of power you and inspire you, I hope, to some degree, between now and Christmas. Yeah. Give you something that you can helpfully chew on. So I'm going to uh, speak on a radical topic this morning. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to speak on the topic of God. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? No, but that's what I'm going to do. And actually, because I think the best thing we can do now is to press in again and look at who he is. Yeah. What's he like? You know, we come week by week here to worship this God. We give our money to this God's church. We read his book. We pray to him. We trust him. We try and please him. We've got to ask the question, who is he? Or rather, today I'd like to say, what is he like? What's God like? I believe the best thing I can give you at this time is to point you again to who he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Yeah. We're going to take a look at him. King David in the psalm said this, there's nothing I'd rather do than gaze at your beauty. Yeah. 
And what we're going to do today, I hope, is we're going to gaze at the beauty of God together. You up for that? Yeah. Good, because that's what we're doing. So, first thing I'd like to say is this. This is what Paul encouraged the early church with, St. Paul. He said, look, one of the things we've got to do is get to know him better. Got to get to know him. So, for the Colossians and the Ephesians, this is what Paul, the the great uh, apostle, what he said, he, uh, he said this. And so from the day that we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that you may increase in the knowledge of God. And he says to the Ephesians something very similar. I keep asking, this is a bit of an insight into the prayer life of the mighty Paul here. What's the, this great apostle? How does he pray? Prays like this. I keep asking, good time going into this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Does God have a plan for you between now and Christmas? Yeah, he does. And I would say from the authority of the word of God, his plan for you is this, that you will get to know him better. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So that when you get to Christmas, you will know God better than you do right now. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. That is good, and that is what he's after. Now, what I can't do today is go through every single characteristic of God. Uh, that would just take us too long. But I do feel I, there's a scripture that I would like to read from, and I'm going to use that scripture to, to unpack something of the nature of who he is. And that scripture is Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, and the first five verses in particular. So I'm just going to read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And he called the darkness. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. The first day. Okay. What can we see about the nature of of our God from this passage. Well, one of the first things I see is this. He is a God who creates. Yeah. He creates. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you're a new Christian and you're saying, okay, I'm going to read this book to get to know about who God is, and you open the book, in the first line, one of the things that God says is this, I'm a creator. I created the heavens and the earth. And we see that he takes the earth, which is described as dark and void and formless. I mean, it's a bit yuck, isn't it? A bit, ugh, what's that? He takes this void, dark thing, and he makes something that is light and beautiful, bursting with life, and it's really good. Chapter 1 demonstrate something very powerful about God. Yeah. Remember this, he is a creator. Yeah. Yeah. He is a creator. He's making a very strong point, I think, right at the beginning of his book. 
John Calvin uh, described the earth before it was made as confused emptiness. So that's where it sums up. And actually, the, apparently, the Hebrew word here for formless means is used to describe either a wilderness or a city in ruins. So what God does with the earth is he takes a city that's in ruins, dark, messy, and he makes it this incredible thing. What a creator he is. What a creator. In fact, it goes even further in the book of Romans when it says this. God is able to call into existence things that don't even exist. Yeah. I mean, here he's taking something and making it into something else. But in Romans, he says, I can take nothing and make it glorious. Yeah. <laughs> it shows you something of the power of God's ability yeah. to create. He's the amazing creator. Maybe you've entered this new term. And you need to see this again. That he is able to take a ruined city and he's able to make it glorious. Maybe you're in a situation that seems like that. It feels dead or void or dark. You're in a, in a, in a broken place. Remember the nature of your God. Remember what he is able to do. Don't just say, so that's it then. You can say, no, no, I know who you are. I know what you can turn this into. Yeah. Hello? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He is the one who can take a dark, watery, stinking piece of rock and eventually create Eden. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where we're going in a, in a couple of chapters. He's going to make Eden, paradise. Yeah, yeah. Remember what he started with. He creates a way. Mm. God is able to create a way for you. How many of you here have been in a situation where you thought there is no way forward? How many financially have ever been in that position? I have. God once supplied me a car out of a yogurt pot. Yes, now, I'll tell you about that afterwards if you're interested. I haven't got time today. But he did. He made a way for me when there was... How many of us have known God make a way for us in terms of our children? There was no way, yes, many of us, I've known that. God just makes a way where there was no way. Remember who he is. Yeah. He is the creator of ways. Yeah. We sing that song the other day, Way Maker. I was thinking about that when I was putting this together. He is a way maker. Yeah. There is no hopeless situation in the life of a Christian, yeah. ever. Even if, you know, it looks bleak. God says, no, I make a way. I bring light into the darkness. That's who he is, what he does. So that's the first thing. Remember, he is a God who creates. Wow. Second thing, what I see when I read this passage of scripture is this. We have a God who speaks. Yeah. A God who speaks. In Genesis, we are told the whole universe is created by the voice of God. God doesn't even apparently get up off his throne he just speaks some words and those words are so powerful that the universe comes into play mm, yeah. wow. <laughs> he doesn't even get up imagine what would happen if he got up yeah. <laughs> wow no he just spoke his voice remember this the word of god is powerful the word of god 
is powerful. Repeatedly in the first chapter, it says this, and God said, and then the refrain is, and it was so. We have a God who when he speaks, it is so. That's who he is. How does God make something new? How does God make something new? I would suggest Genesis tells us this. He does it by his word. He speaks it into being. He transforms the earth from a dead rock into paradise by the power of his word. Because we see Jesus do exactly the same thing. When Jesus comes fully God, fully man, how does he deal with sickness? He speaks. He says, sickness, get out. How does Lazarus get raised from the dead? He says, Lazarus, come forth. And he does. It's the power of God's word. And I think that's what we see so clearly demonstrated here. God's word. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God's word? Mm, Do you? Of course, you're going to give me the right answer because you're all Christians, aren't you? So you're going to say, yes, Adam, we all believe God's word. The truth is, sometimes we don't. The truth is, we'll say the right thing, but our hearts and our emotions will say, so what happens when you're sick? When you go. Do you say, oh, Jesus, you can heal me. I'm so confident. Or do you say, where's the doctor? No, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor once that. My, my parents were both medics. They're good people. But the issue is, where's your confidence? Where do you believe? Where do you believe? It's really helpful, even over the, if you want to move forward with God, to question your own motives over the next couple of months. To say, I know I say I believe this. But how much do I believe this? Lord, would you come and show me how much I genuinely believe your word? You see, cooperation is required. What does Paul say at the beginning of Romans? He says this, this gospel message that we have is the power of salvation for all who believe. We have to believe the gospel message for it to have power in our lives. See, the gospel message has been delivered, but if you haven't believed, it has no power in your life. And I want to suggest to you, all the attributes of God are like this. Do you believe his word is powerful? Do you believe that he's good? Do you believe that he's a healer? Do you believe that he's kind? Do you believe he's able to make a way for you? All of it has to be greeted with faith so that we believe what he says. So I ask you again, do you believe what he says. You know, the heroes of faith of the past were called heroes of faith because they believed God's word, not their circumstances. And our circumstances have this habit, don't they? Nasty habit of shouting at us and saying, no, nothing's going to happen here. You're just going to rot. And instead of saying, no, we believe. Abraham was a great man because he believed for an impossible miracle because God had said, this is what I'm gonna do. You will have a child with Sarah. And there he was, his old fella, looking at his body and it says, describing himself as good as dead. But he said, but God has said. His circumstances were shouting at him, but he chose to believe the word of God. When you believe God's word over the next few months, 
between now and Christmas, will you make a choice to believe the word of God or not? Yeah. It will depend, if your response to that will depend on whether you move forward in Christ or not, yeah. I would suggest. Yeah. Don't believe his word, you're not going to move forward. This one, he is eternal. Wow. For me, this one has so come alive because of what's been said about Queen Elizabeth. See, it says here, in the beginning, God. He created something. So we're reading this, realizing, well, God's here with us now, but he was there all the way back then. Now, of course, we've just studied Revelation, and we know that God's going to be there at the end. He is the beginning. And he is also the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and everything in between. Why is this important that he is eternal, that he is timeless? Because you could say, well, bully for God, that's jolly nice. Very happy that he will never die, that's lovely. But how is that relevant to me? It's relevant because we've suddenly understood with the death of a monarch who we kind of felt would always be there, when suddenly she's gone, we're at sea, aren't we? Or some of us are. Yeah, yeah. She's gone. What's it going to be like? Suddenly, the fact that God is eternal really matters. We understand He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The human psyche needs that. We need to know there is a God who will never change. Yeah. What else do we see? We see this God is powerful. Yeah. Genesis chapter 1 is an awesome demonstration of the power of God, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And God makes it all just using words. Awesome. Awesome. The Bible goes on to say this, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Yeah. We could sort of work that out really from chapter one, couldn't we? The God who could create the earth and make it glorious from an old dead love rock. I think we could probably work out nothing is too hard. For the Lord. But the Bible, just in case we haven't picked it up, states it very clearly. Uh, he is able to do anything. Yeah. Of course, when Jesus comes, he teaches his disciples to walk in the power of God. Mm. He teaches them to heal the sick. He invites them to say to them, you feed these, these 5,000. Go on, you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all a bit, uh, uh, what do you mean, what do you mean? And then they can't cast a demon out. They get stuff wrong. But Jesus is teaching his disciples to walk in the power of God. God is awesomely powerful. That is his nature. And as Christians, I would suggest it's our job to begin to display that power. If you want to move forward as a Christian, you will have to learn what it is to walk in the power of God. You will need to know what it is to walk in the power of God. It's particularly important, I believe, in the current age we live in. Because out there, they think God has been completely stripped of his power. Don't they? They don't believe. When you say, yeah, God heals the sick, he raises the dead, he cleanses lepers, they would say, no. So Christians, we need to demonstrate who God is to them. You know, when it says you become sons and daughters of God, 
What it means, partly, is this. You begin to reflect what your father is like. You are a chip off the old block. So you also walk in power. You also are full of love. You also are like him. That's what it means, sons and daughters. It's not just a title, not that very much. No, no, we begin to reflect who he is. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah, you begin to, you begin to reflect who he is. What is your relationship like with the power of God? Is it still a mystery to you? How well do you know it, or perhaps I should say, him? You know, one of the things that... Uh, if you've been in the church for a while, you will know that I do, is I bring words of knowledge and I love to pray for the sick. And wonderfully, we do hear about people being healed to some degree. And uh, I absolutely adore doing that, and I think it is a calling for me. But part of the reason I also do this is because I want you to copy it. I want you to lay hands on the sick. I want you to pray for people with a degree of certainty and and to know I'm going to put my hands on this person and as I do it, God's going to do something. I'm not approaching with a, oh dear, oh dear, that's that's not going to work. No, no, I want you to do it with confidence because we model people getting healed. Now, not to the extent we would like. I understand. We're learning. We fall over. We get things wrong. But I want you, can I say this, church? I want you to pray for the sick because Jesus did it. Because it's the model. Because it's the nature of who our God is. He is awesomely powerful. He takes cities in chaos, in ruins, and makes them wonderful. When a life comes to you that's broken with sickness, God wants to make them well. That needs to be our approach. How about stepping forward in the next couple of months? How about in the next couple of months, you pray for someone who's sick? It's my challenge to all of you. In your house group, in your homes, maybe friends. Why don't you pray that God will give you an opportunity to pray for someone? And then I'd like you to take it. I'd like to lay hands, ask them obviously first, but but suddenly pounce on them. (laughs) Ask them and then say, in, and pray like this, sickness in Jesus' name, get out of this person. Holy Spirit, release healing power now. And do it, okay? And we're trying to do this because we're trying to learn to be like our Heavenly Father, who is awesomely powerful. So we don't just read about His power, His power flows through us. Okay. We need to press on in this one. We do make mistakes in this one. It's quite a learning process. Yeah. And we can get put off quite quickly. Yeah. As we said, the disciples fall over and make a muck, don't they, early on. But by the time we get to the book of uh, uh, Acts, we see them performing signs and wonders and miracles very fluently, don't yeah. we? Yeah, absolutely. Boy, I want to get there. But to get there, I've got to go through the falling over stage early, yeah, at the beginning. And that's what we will all need to do. We'll try, we'll fail, we'll succeed, we won't. Okay. What else is God? What else do we see from this first chapter? We see that God is good. God is really good. 
He's really good. You know, the word good is used seven times in the first chapter. I did a quick count. Seven times. So if you're that new Christian and you're trying to find out what God is like and you open up the Bible and you read the first chapter, God is saying seven times the stuff that he is, has done is good. Why is the stuff he is doing good? Because he is good. We get to know about who he is. Why is it important for you to know that God is good? Well, let me ask you a question. Would you like to spend lots of time with a God who isn't good? You know, if you go back in time, if you were an ancient Greek before the Christians had arrived, and you were a, a believer, you probably would have believed in the Greek gods. Now, that is not a nice situation. Because they were nasty. They were vindictive and petty and angry. And they would call fire down on people. And all of these unpleasant gods were, were ruled by one god called Zeus. The one who's meant to keep them all in order. You know, the mature, sensible one. And he was described as a serial rapist of both men and women. Not good. Would you like to spend time with him? Uh, no. If you worshipped Molech, you probably would have had to give up one of your children for child sacrifice. Not good. Not good. It's really important that we see that God is good. good. And actually the truth is, we can all be tempted at times to believe that God is not good. What happens to you when you go through a long period and it's, you're sick? Or you're praying about something and that's not really the answer you want. If you're anything like me, what I do is I get quite cross with God and I point my finger at him and I accuse him. I say, what are you doing? I thought you were God. You could do anything. You could just go boom and it's sorted. Mm. And I get, Argh! and then I realize what I've done and I repent. <laughs> Sorry, Lord, I guess not. And I have to come back to what the word of God says, which is that God is good. Yeah. See, the mistake I make is I start to believe my experience and my emotions yeah. and I exalt them and say oh that's look that's that so that's true no 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 we believe the Bible is the word of God that's what's true about God not your emotions very often he is really good he is the God that brings light into your darkness yeah. he's kind yeah. he is loving if you're doubting right now that God is good, can I encourage you, sort that out over the next few days and weeks. Come back to the word of God. Remember, no, he is good. Let's say it together. He is good. Yeah. Lastly, he is a redeemer. I think this chapter just shouts out the fact that God is an awesome redeemer. Yeah. See, why did God bother with this current version of the earth? God is God, right? He could do anything. So he says, I know this earth that I love, that I just, I just think is wonderful, but I'm going to make a home for these people that I adore. I'm going to take some material that is dark, chaotic, void, rotten. I'm going to take that material and I'm going to make the earth. Why didn't he just say, no, 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 that's rubbish. 
I'm going to get rid of all of that, and I'm going to create some new material that has always been in the light, that is fantastic. Why did he do that? Because right at the beginning, he's demonstrating a quality about himself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this, I'm a redeemer. Mm. I take, oh God, I take what is broken and I make it new. Wow. I take what is void and rubbish that others would just say, oh, get rid of. No, I lovingly restore it and I make it great. Yeah. That's what he does. Because God knows that not very long he's about to create mankind and mankind is about to turn its back on God it's about to sin and it's about to become like that broken rock dark and void chaotic, sinful and God is demonstrating to all of humanity right at the beginning I believe through the creation of the earth he is demonstrating this I will redeem you yeah because I'm a redeemer. Mm. I take what's broken and I'll make it glorious and I can do that with you. Do you see how it's injecting hope into humanity through the very example of the creation of the planet? Awesome. Awesome God we have. Mm. He doesn't just want to throw you away if you get broken. Mm. Okay, he doesn't. He wants to bring light into your darkness. And of course, the truth is, we were all covered in darkness once, weren't we? We were all sinful, all had fallen short and and had gone our own way. And yet God one day broke into our lives. One day the Spirit of God hovered, like it hovered over the waters, hovered over you, hovered over your soul. And he revealed to you that you needed saving in his grace and kindness. And revelation came. And then the day came when you said, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God and I need your salvation. Please forgive me. Do you remember that day when you said that? I trust there's been a day like that for you. Because on that day, God redeemed your soul. It says the light of the world. Jesus broke in to you into your darkness and redeemed you. And I want to say, if you've never done that, if you've never invited the light of the world in, I want to encourage you to do it. And the Bible says the way you do it is like this. You say, you confess, you say with your mouth, and you believe genuinely in your heart that Jesus Christ is God, is the Son of God. And it says, if you do that, you will be saved. You will move out of the darkness and into the light. I'm just going to wrap things up here by just saying this. But of course, this amazing Redeemer doesn't just stop there. Yeah. He doesn't just say, let there be light. Oh good, the light's come in. End of the first day. Oh, I'll sit down now. What does he do? He goes on to build a wonderful world. He creates the sky. He creates the dry ground. He creates vegetation. He creates the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and then eventually he will create humanity. God's desire for you is not just to save you. Oh, good, end of day one, let's stop. No, he wants to see you flourish. He wants to see growth in your life. He wants to see giftings within you fly like the birds of the air. He wants to see healing 
and restoration and freedom come into your life and grow up and become beautiful. God's plan for you is that you would have life to the full, not just a little bit. Just, just want to get you in through the door. Now you're into the door. Okay, well, you sit in the hallway now. Well done, you're safe. Stay there. Look, there's a whole house of growth and beauty for you. He wants your gifting to fly. God has a whole system, a whole plan for your life. Do you believe that? Yeah. That God has a plan for your life. Just as God has a plan, had a plan for the earth to grow it and mature it. God wants to grow you and mature you. What are you going to do with these next two to three months? You're going to cooperate with the plan of God. Are you going to come to him and say, God, what giftings have you given me? Can you just brush them off again? Have I forgotten any? Can you stir me with this thing of healing? Do I really believe that God is good? Do I, do I uh, uh, really understand what your eternal nature means? Uh, when, did, when did you last hear God speak to you? When did you last hear the voice of God? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I want to provoke you. I hope today has provoked you. I hope it's inspired you. I hope it's given you something to chew on. I hope I've made you uncomfortable in the right sense. I really do. I want you to be uncomfortable between now and Christmas because I want you to grow. Yeah. My job as a pastor is not to pat you and say, oh, how lovely to see you, which I, I mean, it's nice to see you, obviously. I want you to grow. Yeah. I want us to become mature believers in Christ. Yeah. And I will provoke you. That's my job to do that. My hope today has done that. Last, I'm going to close this by saying this. If you, and I don't often do this, but I feel it's right this morning. If you want to move forward with Christ, you want to step forward again, even between now and Christmas and beyond, I would like you to stand up. This is a signal between you and God. If you don't want to, don't. But if you do want to, please stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray, I thank you for every single person here. I thank you for those that stood, those that want to grow in Christ. And Father, I don't exactly know what you want to say to them and how you will grow them. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you would initiate some lessons in their life from today. Uh, Lord, that will cause growth to come. I want to ask you, Father, where giftings have been moribund, I ask that they would begin to fly like those birds in the air. Lord, I want to ask you where we believe things that are not true about you, that you would expose that ruthlessly within us so that our foundations would be strong and solid, that we'd be able to go through tough times knowing who you are. Holy Spirit, would you come freshly on us? God, I'm asking that this church will be different by the time we get to Christmas because of all that you have said and done over us. And God, we love you and we worship you and it is our determination to move forward. But we need your help. So Holy Spirit, come freshly and fill us, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, that his name would be exalted, that this town would see who you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please sit down. That is it. So I'm going to leave you on that. I trust that's encouraging to you, stirred you.